friends, this is Event AV Enlightening Demystified, and I'm your host, Anka. Thank you for joining and welcome to our new episode in which I will be discussing AVRFPs or proposals or quotes, whatever you call it, and what it takes to hire an AV supplier or vendor and what questions would you be asking when partnering with a new AV provider. While AV provider is just um, used a lot in our industry, I like to refer to this title as AV partner because what you really want out of this relationship is a partnership. You want someone that will have your back and look out for you, will understand your vision, will work tirelessly towards accomplishing your goals, and will basically provide more than just AV. Remember, you're hiring a provider to manage a very significant portion of your event for you. So if you don't trust them as your partners, then they're probably not the right fit for you. Because a true partner will not just offer AV, they will also offer input based on their experience and expertise. If you do trust them, then you will need to clearly define your goals, work with them to develop a plan of execution, and allow them free reign to work out that plan. You're looking for more than just an equipment provider, and a true partner will offer input based on the experience and the expertise they have. And this is the topic that I want to dive deep into during this episode. And it's a great topic for any event planner and professional that finds themselves in the position to create such new partnerships and relations. So stick around and let's explore this topic together. Before we do that, please show us some love by subscribing to the podcast. Also, by leaving a great review and hitting the five stars, you make this podcast visible to other listeners with the same interest as you. Don't forget to follow our Instagram account at trifun underscore events for event and podcast updates, tips and tricks of the trade. Okay, back to our topic of getting the most out of your AV partner and dialing in some of the questions you must ask your current or future AV provider. As in any partnership, communication is the key to long-term success. This means both regularly scheduled conversations about the process and the progress of the event, pre-event, on-site, and post-event, and it also means open dialogue about concerns that either side feels may derail the partnership. I found that the best partnerships I've built over the years involve a pre-scheduled mix of face-to-face and Zoom type of video meetings focused on the key topics of pre-event planning, from the event marketing plan to room layouts to stage decor, and scenic design. Don't be afraid to get your AV partner's input and perspective on how to overcome challenges, how to meet your event's ROI. And ROI doesn't have to refer only to financial measures. Many returns won't be directly measurable in dollars and cents, but will have an impact on budget over time. A great example is the web streaming service we offer to our clients. When a client expresses a challenge in attracting and retaining live attendees at an event, we will often develop a marketing campaign with a web streaming component aimed at building momentum around the event. As simple as it may seem, having a partner who really looks out for you, even in areas that they're not even technically being paid to oversee, can make a world of difference in the outcome of your next event. 
Now, I've been planning, managing, and producing events for a little under 20 years now. And over the years, I've worked with and worked for many different AV providers from concert type of event productions to corporate events. And while generally everyone provides AV and lighting, the process and the strategies that are followed could vary greatly from provider to provider. One such process is related to the RFP or the quote or proposal, whatever you may call them in your world, and how you're reading and understanding what you see in front of you, which is absolutely primordial to your success and the success of your event. And here's where you will find as many RFP proposal flavors as you can imagine. However, what should be common to all of them is making sure whoever you receive this RFP from can walk you through it line by line. If they can explain why every item on their RFP is there and what the purpose is for it and they do it in a way that makes sense to you and it doesn't confuse you even more, you're in for a good deal. If they can't, then that would certainly be a red flag because they might be trying to confuse you in hopes of getting more money out of you. So in addition to doing your homework and collecting two or three RFPs from prospective AV providers, always ask for a very clear explanation. Now, a note of caution because I see this happening quite often. Many times you'd have received a couple preliminary RFPs and the first thing your eyes run to is the bottom total line. And come on, I know you all do that because I do that myself. If you're not careful to comparing apples to apples and for that, as mentioned earlier, you need to be able to dissect the RFP with the provider you've received it from and understand the purpose for each piece of equipment or package noted on the proposal because otherwise you might kick yourself in the foot later because here's a small example. A 7K projector is not the same as a 12 or 15K projector. The screen surface, say the same size on both proposals, might not make a huge difference, but the lumens of the projector or the brightness of that projector measuring lumens will certainly matter, and the more lumens, the more a projector will cost. Apples to apples comparison will have to also apply to sound, lighting, and any other production elements that might be included on one proposal, but not necessarily on the others. It's both on you as the event planner, event manager, and on the AV provider to make sure the expectations match. Honest, clear communication and transparency have to be there always and especially in the first phases of negotiating. And this transparency has to come from both sides. Don't shy away from making clear your expectations and your vision. This is all about goal alignment and honesty and it's not unfair for you as a client to have to reiterate what your expectations are and what you want to see at your event after having signed the contract. If your AV company is not able to answer many of the questions we'll go over here, it's time to probably walk away. So without further delay, let's jump right into some of those questions because you need to be asking those questions to your current or your future AV provider. And the first question you need to ask after receiving your preliminary RFP is, can you walk me through your quote line by line so I can better understand it? This is very much related to what I already talked about earlier as I jumped ahead for a second there. Basically, your AV provider should be able to explain why every item on their RFP is there and what the purpose is for each item listed. If they can't, then that would certainly be a red flag. 
Some AV providers could be in the habit of unfortunately handing you a quote in the hopes you will be confused and accept it without question. But that doesn't have to happen to you. When you understand everything that's listed on that proposal, you're going to be in a much better position for negotiating AV prices now and later. The best way to get a true understanding is by quote analysis. And what does that mean? You basically ask your AV provider to schedule a call with you so they can walk you through every line on that RFP. They should tell you what each line means, what it is, what it is for, and particularly how will it be used at your event. Every single line item can and should be explained in layman's terms. If they are unwilling to explain, it is a red flag. However, if the provider gives you a great answer, reasonably justifying why the item is included, this could be the start of a great working relationship. This has a double added bonus to you. You will also be better armed to understanding and negotiating AV prices in the future because you'll have a better idea on which items you might most likely need and use again or which need additional clarification. Also, on the side of the AV service provider, it's important to make sure equipment is listed in packages in their own little boxes. Many times I like to sort each audio, lighting, video, iMac, whatever package it might be by room so it's much easier to understand what's happening. If you're not working with an OCD AV manager like myself, don't be too shy to ask your provider upfront to have everything listed in a much more organized fashion for you. Second question you should be asking, is there a deposit I need to pay in advance in order to book your services or any service fees I should be aware of? This is a great question to ask if this is the first time booking a provider services. Some AV providers will require a fixed deposit, others will require a percentage of the total, while others will require nothing. So it's good to ask before signing the contract. There's often some good reason for negotiating AV prices if you're willing to be flexible on payment terms. Some bigger AV providers might be able to offer you net 30, 60, or 90, while smaller AV local houses will most likely require that you pay the day of the event. You can often get a good discount on the AV proposal by offering to pay much sooner, for example, 100% of the contract upfront. Many AV providers might be willing to discount their AV quote if it means they can boost their monthly cash flow with upfront payments, especially during slow months, to offset some of their contracts that pay on the longer terms. As you can see, there's some great power for negotiating AV prices here. While we're talking about terms, it's also essential to solidify the finalized pricing of the AV proposal. It's not that uncommon to receive a quote only to find that when the event takes place, your AV provider might have forgotten a piece of equipment or that something hasn't been communicated and more equipment is needed for that or that the program hasn't gone entirely to plan, like the event running over time. After all, no event runs precisely to schedule, right? Well, the result, you might end up with an extra bill at the end of the event. Make sure you have allowed for an overtime buffer, your AV provider is aware of it and is planning for that same buffer as well, and you've communicated all program elements that might need extra equipment, like additional microphones or an extra breakout session, and the AV provider also has confirmed they have indeed quoted for all the equipment needed. Another thing to be informed about is, especially in the case of in-house AV providers, is if they will charge a service fee and how much that might be. Many venues that have in-house AV providers will charge a 20% and more on top of the AV total. 
The audiovisual company pays commissions in the 40 to 60% range to the hotel to be their in-house provider and have access to their clients. For the hotel, AV is an added revenue stream through those service charges, and many hotel contracts may attempt to deter you from bringing in your own AV provider or will make you pay for buyouts of several hundred to several thousands of dollars. Whether you pay one bill to the hotel or you pay the hotel and the in-house AV company on separate invoices, the breakdown between them is pretty much the same. Regardless of how the service charge is justified, outside AV providers typically don't charge service charges and therefore are more beneficial to your event and your budget. When I used to work for a provider back in the days that was providing AV services to a local venue, I used to remove the 20% at a time service charge if the setup required extensive labor and operators and a labor charge was already included on the proposal. I would only apply the service charge if it was a simple setup and teardown set during normal business hours and there was no other labor being charged. This seemed like a win-win for both the AV company I was working for at the time and the client. Another fee you might want to know about in advance is when an AV company, for example, will charge a 10% service fee if you request additional services or make equipment changes within 24 hours of scheduled loading time. The company isn't setting you up, this fee is very normal because in such a short amount of time, they will have to pull resources from other events, other warehouses, bring people in or keep them over time to accommodate such last minute changes. Not to say you shouldn't negotiate if it's a very high rate, but all things considered, 10% is very much appropriate and acceptable in the industry for this type of changes. Another question you should be asking, are there going to be any final charges at the conclusion of the event? To keep adding to the additional fees or service charge question we just covered, from time to time, I would see an AV proposal that would have the following line listed at the bottom of it in the notes section. Final charges, TBD at conclusion of event, which to me sounds extremely terrifying. Essentially, the AV company is saying, here's a guess at the cost, hopefully it's right, crossing fingers. This clause basically gives the AV provider unrestrained ability to charge whatever they want at the end of the event. Again, this should be a really big red flag. If you're signing the quote, is that quote even final? What else needs to happen to make it final? You do want to sign a quote agreement with a clause that does not look like that because you will have a very, very little power at the end of the event to fight any additional charges they might throw at you and it could end very poorly for your budget. Another excellent question to be asking about is power charges. Many venues and or convention centers don't always lay down the power charges and this could mean that a different department or a separate vendor is responsible to come in and either install additional power or is managing the current power in that space and the in-house AV company or the AV provider you're partnering with do not have access to this power unless you pay for it, which is a steep additional expense you will have to account for. Just because it isn't listed doesn't mean it's not there. Same would apply for rigging charges for anything that might need to be ceiling hang. Many venues require that you use only their own certified riggers for liability reasons and pay for each hang point separately, which is an expense that would be related to AV, but not necessarily included on your AV quote, but on the venue's master's invoice. Will you be available for a venue walkthrough and meeting prior to the date of the event? 
This is another question you should be asking, and it's a necessary step when working in a new venue or using an AV provider for the very first time. I covered this topic in my very second podcast episode, why venue walkthroughs are so important. And we all know that not all event spaces are created equal. Some are easy, others present some rather unique challenges. You as the client might not insist on a venue walkthrough with your AV provider, but any AV professional that has done events for a while should insist on a site walkthrough, and that's a good thing. I know that sometimes adding this extra step to your event prevent timeline can seem cumbersome, but if this is the first time you're doing an event in this venue, or the first time you're using this particular AV vendor, you will set yourself and your event for success later if you don't skip this step. A site walkthrough can reveal all kinds of issues to get an event to the level that you expect it to be, allowing for course corrections and alternatives to be planned well before the day of the event. Who's going to be my point of contact the day of the event? This is another great question to be asking. During the pre-event planning process, one of the working documents you'll be constantly updating is the production schedule. Here's where you will want to note the name and contact information of every vendor you might be working with. I plan tens of events a year, but I am not always the boots on the ground point of contact for the event that I'm working on. And I will have a tech lead assigned to my event the day of the event. And that person, along with my contact information, are the day of the event point of contact. As the client, you need to have a way to contact your vendors the morning of the event, especially when the planning office person you work with might be different from the person that's delivering the equipment or the product ordered. What time is your team coming in for loading and setup? Great question to ask again, and it goes hand in hand with the previous question and answer, making sure the when and where and being as specific as you can be. Core information such as the date, city, venue, address, ballroom, delivery dates, loading times, everything should be listed on your RFP and clear as day. If the AV proposal only lists equipment and none of the above, that should be a concern. Too much information isn't always great, it's true, but it's better than the lack of. If you don't have a description and scope of the work, it can be a challenge to accomplish the goal. How many technicians will be there the day of the event and how long will they be there for? And how long will I be able to count on their professional support? When you visit the labor section of any AV proposal, you might get surprised how much you're paying for each technician. You might be thinking, well, if this is a three-hour event, then why am I charged for like eight hours? What you might not be aware of is that operating equipment involves more than just being there right as the doors open. Technicians usually have to be at a venue as early as 3, 4, 5 a.m. in the morning to load in and set up everything for an event that might start at 5 p.m. And then many times they will stay afterwards, another 5-6 hours from when the event is over, to strike the equipment and load it out. So they could very much be there for 18 to 20 something hours for a program that doesn't last longer than three or four hours, especially for tech heavy events. And as a side note here, be kind to your tax, feed your tax. 
they are your best partners in turning your vision into reality, in turning an event into a memorable experience. One doesn't get into a V4 glory or accolades. The role is ultimately defined by how invisible you are, born out of flawless delivery. It takes a village of professionals to make a great event happen. Regardless of their role, a sincere compliment truly blusters commitment to making the next event even better still. And possibly a piece of pizza too. All jokes aside, it is quite tempting to want to cut on labor. Is it possible to have only one technician to operate everything? Well, not on my events, but sure, on a small event with not a lot of AV components and a difficult program, one technician might be enough, but they can also get themselves into a lot of trouble, and that is based on their experience or level of multitasking. When it comes to labor, less is and more. If anything happens and there's only one person who can deal with it while also having to do a hundred different things, well, that might take quite a sour turn. Here's where I tell my clients how important having an event manager, someone that is a center point of contact who has been there from the very beginning and has had every conversation that needs to have and knows where the problem is and also knows the priority level and who to assign to solve the problem. Someone like a technical event manager like myself would always make a client's life easier and is a partner you want to have for your future event. Additional, an event manager might consider having dedicated tech teams for each room if this is a conference or the size of the venue is large. With many wireless mics, video switching, multiple sources of laptops, many lighting cues, it's recommended that you have a professional dedicated team in control and an event manager that manages all the labor and the logistics and the scheduling of it all. Will you be able to provide us with a visual diagram of your setup and where the location of each screen, loudspeaker, camera riser, tech table will be in the room? This is a service that I'm surprised to find out not all AV vendors provide. However, when you get to the rigging section or the lighting plot of your event, you must make sure you ask your AV provider for a floor diagram or a lighting plot. This will do wonders to help you visualize what exactly will be going where and if it matches your vision. And the added benefit to this AV proposal is that if you share with the venue, there will be no confusion on setting up tables in the place of where the screens might be or not leaving enough space behind the stage for things like pipe and drape, up lighting or rear projection, and maybe back of the house AV control. Do you have a nonprofit discount that can be applied for nonprofits like ourselves? While not all AV providers are fans of discounts, many do have partnerships with either other nonprofits, venues, or benefit auctioneers, and based on that relationship, might have a first time discount or a one timer nonprofit discount, they might be able to apply to the equipment side of the things, never to labor because that can be discounted, but the equipment might be. It is not a guarantee, but it doesn't hurt to ask, and if asked nicely or based on a previous relationship record, this could be available to you and your event. And the last question I'm going to land on, it has to do with charges again, and is the following question. Are there any other charges I should be aware of that are not included in your preliminary quote? Now, say you're planning a conference and received a great looking proposal, the total seems much lower than the other RFPs you received and the equipment is comparable. 
One thing to pay attention to and ask about are the days. Some vendors will just have one day listed and then multiply the total by the number of days with multiple setups included based on the number of days. Others will list each day, the equipment for each day, the labor amount, the setup, if any additional needed from the initial setup. But if you receive a quote with missing details, you really need to check with your vendor and make sure they have a logistical plan in place and a floating crew of tags available to cover all rooms even if that might mean moving some equipment from room to room. Other things that could be missing from your RFP Say everything looks good, but there is no lighting or stage wash accounted for. Even if lighting as a decor element is not part of the budget for your event, because say this is a meeting of some sort, it is recommended to have at least four fixtures, source force, also known as licos, with separate control pointing towards the stage, and that's what the stage wash basically is. Or another scenic element that really elevates the look of your event is pipe and draping behind the stage, flanking the screens if you have large screens on either side of the stage. Adding a few uplights with a pop of color is not a budget breaker, but will make an impact on the overall look and feel of your event. Okay, those are all the questions I can think of right now that you need to be writing down and asking your AV provider. Now, all in all, the most important thing out of all of this is communication. Over-communicate your vision if you must, not just your needs to all your vendors and partners. Do your homework, ask all the questions you need to ask, bring someone along who understands more about AV than you do. Even though you might have been in the industry for a while, that doesn't mean you're all familiar with everything that's on the technology side. Hire a technical event manager, an event producer like myself, someone with a high level of audiovisual and event technology expertise and proficiency that can help you break down any and known AV lingo and terms, any AV packages on any of the AV RFPs you've been reviewing. One of my services is doing just that, being your personal advocate in the world of AV vendors and providers. I do have a few preferred vendors in different cities that I work in, which I've worked with on several events and whose professionalism I truly appreciate and respect. But in the end, it's not about me. It's about you, the client. And I will work with any vendors you might have Take that planning and logistical work right off your hands so you can focus on things that you're more passionate about and bring you as much joy as AV planning and producing brings to me. By now, I hope you know that one of my main goals is to demystify the sometimes confusing but yet so beautiful world of AV. So if you have any questions, suggestions, or tips, please let me know either via website, social media, or email listed in the episode's description below. And let's connect! Okay, friends, this is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to the very end and thank you for taking a moment out of your busy day to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast. By leaving a great review and hitting the five stars, you really help making this podcast visible for more people, many of which are event planners and event professionals like yourself. To find more information about Trifun Events, the producer of this podcast, our services, our event work, what our clients have to say about us, we'd love for you to join us at trifunevents.com and that is T-R-E-E-F-A-N-E-V-E-N-T-S.com. You can also find us on all major social media channels at Trifun Events. And I also gladly welcome your feedback and topic suggestions via direct messaging or email at podcast at 
Have a fantastic rest of your day. Until next time.